Hey guys, hope all is well. Today we will be doing podcast number eight with co-host John Hardafillers and special guest Sean Belby. So, Sean, the, let's talk about Roy, Roy Williams, the head coach of UNC, retiring yesterday. So what are your thoughts about it? Um, to be honest, my first thought was that uh, it was an April Fool's joke. You know, came on uh, yesterday, Thursday, April 1st. Uh, Roy Williams, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time. Um, he is on the older side, um, you know, sort of like Coach Bayheim. Coach Williams has had some health problems in the past. Um, he has a vertigo, I'm pretty sure, which is uh, he gets dizzy uh, at, at random times. And I know over the past few years, during games, he's actually like kind of collapsed on the sideline, like fell to the ground a little bit. And he's had to be helped up. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know what else he's going on, but it was a huge surprise. Um, but, um, you know, he's, uh, one of the greatest coaches of all time and it's sad to see him go. Um, hopefully North Carolina brings in another great candidate and, um, you know, looking forward to, to seeing who they bring in, but, you know, congrats to coach Williams on an amazing career, uh, looking forward to seeing what he does in, in his retirement. Awesome stuff. And then, Sean, if you can go into a little bit about maybe your, your, some of your background in basketball, maybe you start as early as high school, um, kind of just the mm -hmm. background as to what kind of got you to Syracuse, maybe what the decision um, entailed and, and kind of what, where, where this kind of passion for the game started. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm down from the, down in the Jersey, live at the Jersey Shore, um, played at a really good high school, Christian Brothers Academy in the Jersey, not the one in Syracuse, New York. Um, really competitive, uh, won a state championship my senior year, played with three or four other Division One players, um, really, really good teams. I played on, my coach um, was a Big East, you know, player of the year. He played at Rutgers, and, um, you know, my brother um, was the, uh, was a head manager at Syracuse, Syracuse University from 2009 to 2013. Um during that time I was in middle school, I'd always just go up with my family and visit him. And uh, I was lucky enough to, you know, go in, into the, into the mellow center and watch some of the guys practice, um, watch the team practice, watch them lift and stuff like that. Ever since such a young age, so sixth, seventh grade, um, you know, I was up there in the practice facility, seeing the coaching staff and stuff like that. And it just helped me create such great relationships, relationships with them. Um, you know, I've, I've known Jerry McNamara since I was, you know, 13, um, we've had a great relationship ever since. And, um, you know, when it kind when it kind of came down to my decision about where I was going to go to college, I always knew that I would probably have a spot on the Syracuse roster if I wanted one, you know, my brother, um, made some great connections up there and, um, me being, you know, visiting up there so many times throughout my life, um, and being so close with the staff, I knew that I'd have a walk on spot, uh, most likely. Um, then going into my senior year, I actually went to the Syracuse prospect camp. So every summer Syracuse has a prospect camp. Uh, they bring in all like the guys they're recruiting. They do come in, uh, run some drills, um, play five on five. For some reason it happened to be that when we started playing five on five, Coach Beham's son was guarding me. So his son, Jimmy was guarding me. Um, I happened to have, uh, you know, one of my better games, um, you know, scored a bunch of points, stuff like that. Um, and then after, after the camp kind of went up to GMAC, um, like I said, I, I knew him pretty well and I kind of just asked him, I was like, Hey, you know, 
any any chance you think I could, you know, be a preferred walk on? And uh, he said, yeah, yes, right away. So that's kind of how it started. Um, and then ever since there, I pretty much knew I was going to Syracuse. GMAC came and ended me and GMAC ended up came coming to watch me play AAU later in the summer with my team down in Philly. Um, yeah, and that's pretty much how it happened. It's such a cool story, and I'm, I'm curious as to maybe what that what life was like as a walk-on. Obviously, you, you hear about it all the time. I'm curious as to what your experience was like um, kind of work, working your way up to, to getting minutes on, 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 on a really good, really good Division One team and a, and a great Division One program. Um, what did that look possibly for you and really proving yourself day in and day out, maybe your freshman year, sophomore year, and, and really um, earning that spot? Yeah, I mean, it was it's tough. It's really tough. I think um, that's why you see so many guys going as walk-ons and they end up quitting because it's not for everybody, right? You know, um, you know, like I said, I, I was really good in high school, so I didn't really know what to expect, you know, coming as a, and as a freshman, um, I knew I was going to be at, you know, the bottom of the totem pole, but so coming my freshman year that season, we went to the final four, but that also that season, I also, I also basically had no role with the team. Um, you know, I, I suited up for every game. Um, I was at every practice, but I didn't do, I didn't play in the scrimmage that year. Um, I didn't do all the drills, um, I did some of the drills, but um, I was very limited with my role that year, just because there were guys who were walk-ons who were juniors and seniors um, who were better than me and and older than me and bigger than me and stronger than me. So that was a year of adjustment um, for me, especially. And and that year, the year I came in in 2015, there were six walk-ons. So I had five other walk-ons in my class that I was ultimately competing, you know, for a spot with. Um, but Ever since then, you know, my sophomore year, all the way to my fifth year, senior year, um, I like to say what, what I call I was the starting point guard for the orange team. Um, the orange team is basically the scout team. So from my sophomore year, all the way to my fifth year, um, I was the point guard on, on the team that would play against the starting five in the scrimmage um, and all the competitive drills and stuff like that. Um, and that was really just, you know, a testament to my hard work. Um, my fresh in between my freshman and sophomore year. Uh, all the other walk-ons on the team went home for the entire summer. I was the only one who stayed in Syracuse the entire summer, um, worked out in Syracuse every single day at the Mellow Center it was six, at 6 a.m. with Frank Howard and Tyus Battle. Um, that's when they still used to do 6 a.m.s back then. Um, but that summer, like I said, just grinded every, every single day with the team, got even closer with the scholarship guys. So I think they, you know, they gained a new respect for me just because, like I said, all the other guys went home. I was the only one who stayed. And um, that's kind of how it happened. It just had to work my way up. Um, and then, uh, yeah, ultimately, um, you know, the past four years, I, I had a huge role with the team um, that I'll, I'll never take, you know, it's the best four years of my life, best five years of my life. But um, all my friends used to make fun of me back then and be like, ha, ah, like, you never play in the games. Like you never, like you never get to go in the games, but I used to tell them I'm playing every single day in practice against the best players in the country. And, um, you know, it doesn't matter. I don't play in the games. I still scrimmage against them every single day. So, you know, so maybe one, two days a week, I don't get in the games, but you know, you guys are playing division two with 20 people in the stands, you know, no, no discredit division two. They're, they're great players, but, um, that was kind of, you know, my comeback story. Yeah, that's great to hear. And like your hard work, like when I was with you last year, like you put in a lot of hard work, like a lot like on the court. And I'd love to see that. Like, let's talk about your work, like outside of Syracuse basketball, 
working for Drew Hadlin, so like, what was that like working with one of the top player development coaches in the country out in California? Yeah, working with Drew has been great. Uh, um, did three summers with him, and uh, he's he's the best trainer there is um, in my mind. Um, you know, Jason Jason Tatum, Bradley Beal, Joel Embiid, Zach Levine, but four four All Stars this year. Um, three all-star starters, I think it would have been if Joel Embiid didn't um, get kicked out of the all-star game due to COVID protocols. Um, but no, Drew's great. Um, an amazing guy, amazing trainer. We have a great relationship now. Um, he's helped me so much throughout my, you know, kind of career and, and training career. And he helped me get started. Um, he's kind of the one who realized, who made me realize that I want to do, you know, the training business. And uh, he's helped me every step, every step of the way. Um, you know, huge credit to him. I wouldn't be where I am today without him. Um, he's a great guy. He's a, he's a mentor and a friend and, um, you know, someone I'll always look up to. So, yeah. Yeah, like, that's great. Like, how you guys have such a great relationship. And being, being able to work with the top guys in basketball, like Jason Tay and Bradley Beal, like, that's just really cool to be able to work with them. So let's shift gears into a different direction. We'll get back to training in a few minutes, but let's talk about this first. So what things have you learned about the game of basketball and the coaching business during the COVID-19 pandemic? And also I will add on to that too. What was it like being in a bubble with the Syracuse TBT team? And if you can talk about that more, it would be greatly appreciated. Yeah, um, I've learned a lot during the pandemic. Um, it was tough for me because right when our season ended, um, I, I kind of knew, you know, the NBA was was going to be down for a while and um, I didn't know what to expect. So I started reaching out to all my NBA contacts right away. Um, over the years with Drew and, and being in LA, I've made a lot of connections, guys, assistant coaches, video, video coordinators and stuff like that who work in the NBA. Um, so I started reaching out to them right away, you know, sending in my resume, things like that. Um, and I had a lot of interest from teams, from NBA teams about hiring me for this season, the 2021, 2020, 2021 season. And, um, you know, I was really excited. I got a lot of positive feedback. I had six or seven teams, you know, talking to me every week, interested in hiring me, um, you know, as a player development coach and uh, seemed like it was going great, you know, then, then COVID, you know, kept going longer than anyone had expected it to go. And then everything kind of just blew up in my face. Um, you know, a lot of teams then said, you know, they weren't going to bring in anybody new just because they felt like the guys last year didn't even get a chance to prove themselves because of, you know, such a shortened season. Um, then the guys who were in my role that, you know, I probably would have taken their spot. They didn't even get to go to the bubble in Orlando. So it's like, how can you, you know, get rid of them? Like I said, um, so all those teams kind of fell off. Um, I was really upset. I didn't know what to do. Um, that had kind of been my plan. My plan was to, you know, work for an NBA team for a few years and kind of get back in the training game. So I, I've been home ever since, ever since the March, last March. Now it is from COVID. And, um, then back in September, I started working for, uh, you know, the company I'm possible. I'm doing a lot of training out of their gym now. Um, training kids, you know, middle school, high school, and even some pro players, um, had a, had a, a professional, uh, in the gym yesterday, 
Um, so that's what I've been doing ever since then. And TBT, you said Lee? Yes, sir. Was the next question, right? Yes. Uh, yeah, t- being in the bubble in TBT was was crazy. Um, it was an amazing experience. It was li- It was basically the first basketball back in the country since the pandemic had started in March. Um, we probably took 10 to 15 COVID tests and, you know, in a span of two weeks, um, once we got to Ohio, uh, we had to quarantine in our, in our room for 24 hours. We couldn't leave. Um, we thought we had an amazing team. Um, you know, we were awarded the three seed Bayheim's army. The day we were supposed to leave the day we were supposed to arrive in Ohio, you know, two of our top guys ended up not being able to show uh and chris mccullough and tyler Lydon. it was a huge huge hit for us um but we still thought we had a great team um we we're still excited still thought we could win it all you know we ended up losing in the second round or we had a bye first round won our second round game against our purdue alumni team and then ultimately fell in the third round but it was a great experience you know being with those guys eric uh Devendorf, i know really well i played with malachi uh, i played with john gillen i played with andrew white so I know all those guys pretty well, but um, it was just different. You know, we had all been in our houses for six months up, up until then. So it was just so cool to see everybody be able to hang out with the guys. We had like a, a player's lounge, like a team lounge that was just for us. Uh, no other team could come in and um, just be able to hang out in there and play video games and hang out and, you know, talk Syracuse stories, you know, Coach Beheim stories, stuff like that. Um, it was, uh, and it was, it was an amazing week and, uh, I'm upset that it ended, you know, shorter than it was supposed to. I'll pop this question to you on the spot. What is your favorite coach Bayheim story that you have? Uh, my favorite coach Bayheim story. It's a good question. My favorite coach Bayheim story. Um, I've, I've said this before, but my freshman year, um, I probably said two words to coach the entire year. Um, if you're a freshman to walk on, he won't talk to you. Um, so it was my, it was my freshman year. Um, we're in the NCAA tournament. We weren't supposed to get in. I think it was our first round game against Dayton. We beat Dayton. Tyler Lydon was a freshman, my, one of my best friends. Uh, he missed three free throws. He got fouled on a three that game, missed three free throws. Like I said, coach and I barely have talked all year. We're in the locker room right after the game. And for some reason, coach comes, coach shouts me out. He's like, Belby, like, what's up with your boy Tyler missing those free throws? Like, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that's, it, it's just a story. It's just a moment I'll never forget. Cause it was really like the first conversation that coach and I had back and forth, like in front of other people. Um, and it was just, it was just funny to think about, um, it was a funny moment, great team win for us. Um, you know, it was just an amazing experience. Such a cool story. And it's incredible to think about a lot, a lot of those experiences that you had. I'm curious when you were talking about a lot of the, the skill training you've been doing recently, what does it look like for you kind of maybe going forward with hopefully, you know, in, in a vaccinated world, people starting to get vaccinated. Um, what, what are you hoping it looks like for you? That's a good question, John. Um, you know, in a perfect world, probably be out in LA or, or Miami this summer training, you know, some of my NBA guys. Um, but if not, you know, I'll probably just, like I said, just still be in the Jersey. Um, 
you know, doing some local training and, um, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's some really good players in the Jersey, but, you know, hopefully, like I said, I'll be, I'll be either in Miami or, or LA this summer, um, either working by myself or working with Drew and, um, that's, that's basically it. That's awesome. That obviously in, in the meet, you know, you, you started a in the zone podcast a few months ago. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, obviously you had some really great guests. It, it was obviously, I, I would imagine a lot of fun for you and starting your own show and, and seeing what that's what, uh, and having that experience of, of doing that. Um, what, what's, what have you kind of, can you kind of tell us a little about what made you kind of think to start in the zone and maybe where you think of taking it from here? Yeah. Uh, I mean, shout out to shout out to Lee and shout out to John. It's, it's tough um, to have a podcast. I think Lee might have more episodes than me already. And I started my podcast back in the summertime. Um, you know, the thing I've struggled with most is, is being consistent. It's, it's hard to be consistent, um, especially when you're doing other things, but, um, that's basically what I'm trying to do now is, you know, be, be more consistent, do at least, you know, one or two episodes every week, kind of like you guys are doing, um, get some more of my good friends on the pod, um, who I've played with, um, either in school or, or, you know, anywhere else. And, um, that's basically it. You know, I'm trying to trying to blow it up, um, kind of like the Gen Z pod. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, like I saw, like I I, I saw, like you brought Eric Devendorf on your podcast. You brought like Ryan Beery, head manager this year at Syracuse. Like, what was it like talking to him, like on the podcast instead of like being there, like in person, like being on the court with them? Like, what's what was that dynamic like? Yeah, it's different. Um, it's really different. I haven't seen, I haven't seen Ryan in a few months, you know, probably since last year, actually, you know, since we were in, uh, in Greensboro at the ACC tournament. Um, so it's been a long time since I've seen Ryan. So um, it was kind of weird, um, you know, doing that over zoom. Um, you know, I had seen Eric in the summer and, and a little bit after that, but it's just different, man. You know, talking to them over Zoom, you kind of get more. I, I I don't really know how to explain it, but it's it's just different. There's something different about it. I remember the first podcast episode I ever did. I was so nervous. Um, I I did a pod, my podcast with with Malachi Richardson, uh, who was on my my Final Four team my freshman year. We go way back. We we've been friends since you know the seventh grade. I, I've known Mally. And, um, it was just for some reason, you know, you, you've never done it before. Um, I was like shaking and, uh, and just being, being online, talking to someone and not face to face, it's been a lot different. Um, but it's been a great experience for me. And I feel like it helps me with like my public speaking, um, you know, doing something you've never done, like done before. And, uh, it's been awesome. Yeah, that's great to hear. And. Let's talk. Let's shift gears actually and talk about for the final segment of our po- of this podcast, the final four this weekend and also the national championship game. So, like, what are your takes on the two matchups this weekend and the potential national championship game? Like, you can give us predictions too if you'd like to. Yeah, uh, I mean, th- I think Gonzaga's going to win it all. Um, didn't watch much of them throughout the regular season, but uh, watched a lot of them. You know, now since the tournament started. Um, love their team. Um, I think, you know, I, I don't see it being close. Um, they're going to beat UCLA pretty handedly. And then 
you know, the championship game might be within 10 or 15 points, but um, I don't think they're going to have much real competition. Uh, but shout out UCLA, shout out my guy, Johnny Juzang, me and him go back a few years um, in LA. I, I've known him for a few years now and he's had an amazing run. Um, so shout out Johnny. Um, first team, I think from the first four in to final four, um, they've had an amazing run. You know, I'm, I'm hoping Houston lose just because they're the team that beats us. So hopefully championship is Gonzaga Baylor. And then, uh, you know, I, I kind of want Gonzaga to win it all just because no one's had no one's had a perfect season. And I think it'd be cool for them to to go 32 and 0 and have a perfect season, especially during the COVID world. So there are two points you brought up, which I do disagree with. So UCLA is actually not the first team who went from the first four to, to the final four. VCU really? did that back in 2011. Also really? the last undefeated team to ever win the national championship was Indiana back in the 1970s. So those were two interesting points that were brought up throughout this tournament with UCLA and also with Gonzaga. And yeah, like to wrap things up, thank you so much. John, and especially you, Sean, for coming on this podcast and taking your time out of your day to do this. And I hope everyone enjoys watching this podcast and I hope everyone has a great day.